Have your sports curiosity cured. And Ben hustling. Dobson just recovered in time. Stars touch up. Here's Johnston weaving. He gets knocked by Pellick. Shot. Score. Stankoven. Sports reporting game for over 25 years. On the curl and drag, he'll feed it back. Hammond whiffed on that slapper. Hammond did not get any wood on that. It's two on one Washington. LaPierre feeds. Give it back. LaPierre scores! Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Plays the Kulak. Quickly, Yanmark boots it out. Into the middle of the ice. Nugent Hopkins. Drop pass. Brown. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. For Saul 120 on a February 27th morning where she's a little chilly outside. Minus 24 coming in to the Sports 1440 studios here in the Palatial Studios of West Edmonton Mall. Looking for a high of about minus 15 today. And it's going to kind of stay cold for the rest of the week. I guess kind of cold from what we're used to, but probably a little bit uh, colder than average normals for this time of the year. Thanks so much for uh, checking in to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 on your drive-in on the AM radio. And, of course, we're streaming on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app. We've got you on sports1440.ca. All the platforms covered. If you miss any part of the show, you can catch up by searching the Kevin Carey Show on various, various podcasts. Shaw and Apple. Uh, we've got Spotify. Google Podcasts or Amazon, uh, be sure to subscribe and select the auto download so you never have to miss a second of the show. Again, thanks for uh, checking in this morning, a day after the Oilers. I guess we were talking about yesterday sort of nipping things in the bud, and that's what they did last night with a 4-2 win over the LA Kings at Rogers Place. This is the first win on this five-game homestand. They had the overtime loss to the Boston Bruins and uh, can, I guess, basically finish 500 with a win over St. Louis tomorrow night as they close out this five-game homestand. Oilers improve to 34-20 and two and move a couple of points ahead of the LA Kings in the Western Conference and Pacific Division standings and now just one point back of the Vegas Golden Knights with Two games in hand. That'll be bumped up to three games in hand tonight when the Vegas Golden Knights travel to Toronto to take on the red-hot Maple Leafs. Last night's game, a couple of, I guess you would say, two major storylines that were in the game. First of all, the the big moment of the game would have been the five-on-three penalty kill. The five-on-three was only 24 minutes, but the key part of the whole penalty kill was the face-off win. By Ryan Nugent Hopkins as he uh, won the draw cleanly. Oilers, and that was again against Andrzej Kopitar, wins the draw cleanly. The Oilers send the puck down the ice and basically kills off a good dozen to 14 seconds. And, uh, you know, and that's just so critical. I mean, so, so critical to start off a five on three. 
the other component of that five on three, and then the five on four was Stuart Skinner. Stu Skinner, 38 saves total on the night, but none more bigger than on that power play, the five on three for the LA Kings as he came up with two, well, actually three massive saves on the early portion of it. Two on uh, Adrian Kempe. One was that quick shot in the slot. And then it was a rebound. And then Andre Kopitar had another opportunity and Skinner kind of grazed it off the top of his shoulder arm. Uh, sent it over the net. At that point, shots on goal. Right at that point of that 5-on-3 power play into the uh, the 5-on-4. Shots were 22-14 for the Kings. They were, they were in control of the game, you could say, because you know, they really didn't give up. The Kings didn't give up much in the first period, barely anything to the Oilers until the final minute when the Oilers had the big, the big gunners out to wrap up the final minute of play in the first period. And the whole building, the whole world is yelling to Connor McDavid, shoot, shoot, shoot. And you I mean, you could hear it all the way in the press box, but he makes the smart play, send it over to Zach Hyman, who scores his 38th, on the one-timer. And I'm not so sure that if Connor McDavid, he had the opportunity to shoot that Vladislav Gavrikov, I think probably gets a stick on that shot because of the, the angle that McDavid, the way he was skating in, would have had to pull it back to his body to un, to release the shot. And I think Gavrikov at that point would have closed the gap and got a stick on it and sent it over the net. Now, the other storyline is it's Evan Almighty, Evan Bouchard. Man, oh man, what a, I mean, you look at how he, portions of the game, parts of the game, and you, then you go other parts of the game, and you'll go from night and day, you go, he, man, he's back to the old ways, and then he basically pulls the team out of the fire with two massive, massive plays, one of them on the power play, and then one in the third period. You saw him kind of get turnstiled by, it was Matt Roy who went by him. It wasn't Alex Laferriere. It was Matt Roy who went down and uh, passed him. And I think it was just, and Bouchard said after the game, yeah, you know, he should have probably just sat back and let him come at him. Let him come at him. Instead, he jumped up, pushed off, and it was just the wrong lane. And it resulted, uh, you know, in the Kopitar pass to Alex Laferriere, and it's a 2-1, uh, 2-1 lead for L.A. And at that point, they're really kind of hanging on to the game. Now, also at that point, this is kind of how the Kings like to play. Although they didn't do it when it was one nothing, you saw the Kings forecheck a little bit more. They forced the D-man several times behind the net, which resulted in a couple of times that the Oilers were unable to move the puck out of their own end. They could not break out. The Kings intercepted plays in the neutral zone and negated any kind of breakout, which gets us to our first text of the day. one 401 1-833-401-1440. This comes from L. Nate, or E.I. Nate, as I've called him too many times over the months. Uh, morning, boys. I'm coming in hot early. The Kings absolutely suck. This league owes the Oilers a debt of gratitude for eliminating them the last two years. Standing in the neutral zone, doing nothing, isn't structure. It's garbage hockey. Every time we, uh, they get the lead and force them to open up, uh, turn them right out of the building, garbage team needed to get that off my chest. Good point. EI, L. Nate, you saw it so many times. And it's on changes. 
The Oilers are changing. The Kings have their five guys on the ice, and teams do this all the time, and it befuddles me to, to, to why they do it. Oilers are changing. Kings are not changing. They have five guys on the ice. Vinny DeHarnay, uh, in particular, standing with the puck right in front of his net, 10, 15 feet, nothing. Go force the guy. Make him make a play. Don't let them set up. Don't let the opposition set up. It doesn't make sense. Always stay aggressive. So what happens when you do that? You sit back, and then the Oilers, they get the puck into your own end. Don't understand why. Text one 401 Stair Farmer, good morning. Boys, Skinner held the team in it, and the team came up with uh, making the great, making his great play worth it. Yes, very true. Stu Skinner was uh, outstanding in the game. Uh, getting back to Evan Bouchard. So a couple of plays where you go, oh, you're scratching your head. Then in the second period, unbelievable heads-up play to Leon Dreisettle, a total set play with a high slot tip uh, to make it 2-2. Uh, just 13 seconds into the power play. Now, this is another situation where the Oilers had that same setup uh, against Boston with Evander Kane. You remember because Ryan Nugent Hopkins did not play, and Evander Kane was basically in that same spot where Leon Dreisaitl was on this particular setup on the power play. Oilers never used anything like this uh, against Boston. They never used an option play like that, but it worked to a T 2 2 after 40 minutes and then well the Bouchard bomb his 15th goal that ties him with Mackenzie Weger uh, early on in the third period gives the Oilers a 3-2 lead they really uh, did not look back from there uh Leon Dreisaitl with a goal and an assist came to play last night. Had a strong game. Uh, Warren Fogle also had a very strong game. On the forecheck, he uh, saw that one play uh, in the third period. Uh, really, uh, well, second period too. Strong on the forecheck and then set set up uh, uh, Ryan McLeod in the slot. David Riddick came up with a, a fine save. Uh, Fogel did it again in the third period, setting up uh, McLeod, who came up with a, another good save, David Riddick. So, uh, you know, full marks to the orders last night after a bit of a, a slower start again, but they found their way. Stuart Skinner kept them in the game, and the Oilers come out with a 4-2 victory. Connor McDavid, well, another two assists, uh, just 20 in the last eight games played. In the last five games, he's basically had the same stat line, Uh two assists so he's getting a couple of helpers uh, every every game 90 points on the year for Connor McDavid well 91 he had cracked the 91 90 point plateau with his uh, first assist that's eight straight seasons uh only Wayne Gretzky and a couple of other guys well uh, Wayne Gretzky's got 13 and there's uh, at nine I think Mike Bossy's at nine then there's a whole bunch of guys at eight as well but Wayne Gretzky with 13 consecutive 90 point seasons Connor McDavid has Eight of them. Interesting stat on the Kings blue line. And we've seen a few teams come in here that are, you know, just a little light on the blue line. Look at what happened in the Boston game. They had two, basically two young rookies. And then Matt Greslick gets hurt on the first shift. They have to go down to 5D. Last night, if you were to say, with guys like Brant Clark, who's, I would imagine they expect, not expect, they would hope that Brant Clark would be some form, some fashion of Drew Doughty down the road. But he's only, what, 21, 22 years old. He's only played, you know, a couple dozen games in the NHL. 
but Brant Clark and Andreas England, pretty young and inexperienced in, in the sense on the back back end, and Jordan Spence, the same thing. So three young guys. So if you were to say, hmm, who's going to eat it tonight? Well, how about Drew Doughty and Gabrikov, both minus three. That's the difference in the game. Their top pairing of Gabrikov and Doughty, both minus three on the game. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as we mentioned, was outstanding on the draw. 65% last night. Excellent showing in the face-off dot. Uh, that's the first date, uh, first game since the All-Star break, if you can believe, that the Oilers have allowed less than three goals. Less than three goals. Duke Adelburn, Brandon Douglas, good morning. Uh, eyeballs on the game a little. Hey, 742 start, big fella. Right on the dot you were, Kev. Yeah, right I thought it was going to be a little dot. later, to be honest. It kind of looked like it was When they were coming be. down on the Jumbotron, well, I don't know what it looked like on TV, but... Mm-hmm. That was the Air Force. It was Armed Forces night. Yes, Rogers, yeah, some so. great, uh, some great moments coming out of that as well, which yeah. uh, we we can kind of dive into maybe a little bit later. But yeah, a, a good. Do you want to call it a bounce back performance? I guess for the Oilers because um, they certainly looked a little bit more committed. I guess to their overall game and the effort. And there were still some lapses in the defensive zone, both on the uh, the second goal off the rush and goal number mm-hmm. one, as uh, you like to call it, a little bit of campfire defense uh, <laughs> uh, on the loose puck in front of the net. Kind of just a lot of standing around. So, but you, you had your big players show up in a good in, in a big way, particularly on Drysaddle, who had faced a little bit of maybe extra criticism in the recent stretch for. Yeah lack of effort or especially lack of production I mean a guy that shoot or scores as much as he does you'd like to see him put more pucks on net Connor McDavid continuing to stay true to his word and just be a, a dish man he doesn't want to score any more goals it, it was a good game for the Oilers and I thought Stuart Skinner um, especially in the in the second period and on that penalty kill was was kind of the difference and that was reflected in uh, comments from his teammates uh, from the head coach and um, exactly what you just touched on right off the top here too yeah, and I mean, that, that first goal, as you mentioned, the campfire defense, that, that was after, that's the fourth line on the ice. It's after an icing call, and yeah, it was just very loose front net coverage and presence. Uh, you had, uh, you know, Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece, both kind of in front and not doing a whole heck of a lot. Probably would like a do-over on that play, but the, the plays like that, that happens. So that's what happens during the course of games. And, uh, you know, even on that 4-2 goal, that's a nice play by Connor Brown. And I think you could see that at the end of the game, Connor Brown was out there quite a bit when it was 4-2. He was probably out there, uh, I think the Kings pulled the goalie with little, well, probably a little over two minutes left. Connor Brown was probably out there out of that two minutes, a good buck and some, a good buck and change. You know, obviously trying to maybe get an empty net goal for him just to get get him off the schneid. But I think full marks. I don't know if it's a if you would say that it is a a, a total. Uh, you know, trying to get back on track. It's still. I think they're still trying to find their way uh, to get to back where they were. Totally. I think this is a great, great step, a great first step, and a, a bigger. Well, not a bigger. It's a similar challenge. Tomorrow with St. Louis in town, but St. Louis, I believe, is on a back-to-back, I believe, Duke. So that's good for the Oilers. Uh, St. Louis Blues are in Winnipeg tonight. So And that's, that's a late start in Winnipeg. So that's an 8 o'clock Eastern start 
Well, seven o'clock local time, I guess. So, I mean, that's a that's a double. It's a back to back for the Blues. St. Louis comes in here, but the Blues always play the Oilers tough. It seems, and we saw that in St. Louis a couple weeks ago when the Oilers were out uh, on their trip. We got a busy show once again for you on a Tuesday. Zach Lang from Oilers Nation will uh, check in to discuss a little bit more about the Oilers' victory over. The LA Kings uh, double barrel shotgun with our hockey insiders on the eight o'clock hour. It'll be Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet uh, on the mark for Booster Juice. And then we've got Frank Cervelli, uh, daily face off, and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Still working on a couple of things as the morning progresses, but looking forward to talking a little baseball with Ryan Divish. He covers the Seattle Times. The Mariners, I think they almost had a a no-hitter yesterday, combined no-hitter. I'd have to check exactly how many hits they allowed. I think they were playing Cincinnati, I saw that. Uh, good to watch. The, did you see, we, well, I guess he, we need a TV in here is what we need. But uh, the Jays started at 11 o'clock. All eyes were on Vladdy Guerrero yesterday, his first. And then, you know, I mean, it's pretty good pitching performance. Pretty good pitching performance. And then, uh, what was it, Brian Servant had uh, three-run home run, five ribbies. Uh, Jays beat... Pittsburgh by a score of 8-4. Tonight, Duke, is the, or maybe this afternoon, I guess, is the debut of Shohei Otani with the L.A. Dodgers. So uh, I would imagine uh, a lot of people will be keeping an eye on that Cactus League game. At 9.40, Curtis Pashelka covers the Bay Area. Is he mostly Sharks, Duke? Is he the Sharks, mostly yeah, Sharks? We'll uh, check in, see what the, uh, a lot the of bottom, guys. bottom dwellers of the league are maybe up to as we're uh, creeping up on a week away from the trade deadline. And uh, Curtis has been keeping some close tabs on what he thinks the, the team might do and who's out the door. Anthony Duclair, week, so number one? Or I would certainly think so, yeah. yeah. It's funny, uh, Boston is was in Seattle last night, Duke. Seattle won 4-3 in a shootout. That was the 14th time Boston's gone to an overtime or shootout scenario. And uh, same with the Islanders. Yeah, the the top three teams in the league for extra time games are the Stars, the Islanders, and the Bruins. All I mean, two of them playing yeah. against each other, but all three of them did so last night. So yeah, and so fourteen overtime or shootout games for Boston and the Islanders. Get this, Duke. San Jose, one of the teams, and Chicago. 15 wins. So those two teams have the 15 wins on the oh year. Those two teams, Boston the, and the Islanders, have one game that's less than the win column. They've got 14 of them single point babies. Uh, plus, we'll have our in or out and a whole bunch more coming up. Uh, Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, and our puck report for Fountain Tire on Sports 1440. It's the Kevin Carey Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the big program. Yeah, that's a song everyone heard last night following the game. And time now for our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about their financing options. Learn more at FountainTire.com as we welcome in Zach Lang from Oilers Nation back to the program. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Nice snowy day outside once again. Yeah, crisp, huh? Today, <laughs> very crisp outside. <laughs> a little nippy, a little nippy. So, we just heard that La Bamba song. Do you have a preference? Do you like Los Lobos? Do you like Richie Valens? Or there's original versions before that. What do you like? 
I like the Richie Valens version personally. Mm. Uh, that's the one that uh, that does it for me. But you know what? Lost Lobo, so you can't complain with that one whatsoever. I, I think it's great that they've got mm. this song continuing yeah. to play as the, the win song for this team. Uh, I think it's awesome because, you know, it gets to honor, uh, you know, the late Joey Moss, the late Ben Stelter. Um, we know how both, how much both of those guys love that song, so it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing to say the least. Yeah, Joe used to love to sing sing that one, well, many many songs, and he was uh, he was rock solid at it. Did you ever see that La Bamba movie with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips? You know what? I don't think that I have. Ooh, you got to check that uh, one out. Look that one up. Yeah, check that one out, Zach. You'll uh, you'll enjoy it. So, uh, just a first take on uh, the Oilers four two win last night over LA. Uh, much needed win, honestly. Um, it felt good to kind of snap the skin and watch them do it. I think it was uh, it wasn't a perfect game, but you know what? Sometimes you kind of need a bit of a ugly, scrappy one to kind of get you out of it a little bit. And you know, I was pretty critical of the the line changes last night, but mm-hmm. you know, in the bigger picture, they worked out fine last night. Uh, we'll see how long they last moving forward here, but uh, yeah, it was good. You got everything that you kind of needed out of that one. You know, your offense showed up. Defensively, I thought the Oilers had a good game. Stuart Skinner was great in the crease. Um, he had all the elements of what you need for uh, uh, when to snap a skid. Uh, what did you make of the play of Leon Dreisettle? Uh, last couple games in the Duke just mentioned it, maybe getting a little more criticism than than he normally receives. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to cr- criticize one of the best players in the world, but at times maybe the expectations are obviously different too. But he came up with a pretty good performance last night. Yeah, he absolutely did. You know what? He uh, kind of quieted the haters a little bit, so to speak, given the uh, penalty against Calgary. And, you know, there were some people that were kind of calling for his head and calling for him to, you know, get stapled to the bench or not play the rest of the game. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who scored 50 goals three times. And in that Calgary game, the Oilers needed a goal. They needed to try and get themselves back into it. And I think that's why you have to keep Leon Dreisaitl on the ice. And last night, again, just proved it. Um, you know, he had a goal and an assist, that nice power play marker there. But the thing for me was there was a play in the third period where he took the puck in the neutral zone and drove wide really hard on Drew Doughty. Mm-hmm. Um, got a little, you know, shot on goal, scoring chance, whatever you want to call it, the one-handed flip of the puck. And that was when the Oilers already had a 3-2 lead too. Like this is, I think it just shows the the commitment that this guy has on a regular basis to, you know, continuing to try to be one of the greatest players in the NHL. Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Warren Fogle had a, another solid game on the forecheck, I thought, last night and had a couple of setups to uh, Ryan McLeod. And uh, this is a guy that just keeps – he hasn't had a tail off. Like, he's been steady. He was the Oilers' best player at the start of the year when they were really, really slumping. He's maybe had a little ebb and flow, a little dip here and there, but he, his consistency continues to show. What do you think about his play in the last little bit? I think it's been excellent. I'm a huge fan of Warren Fogle's game. I think this is somebody that the Oilers actually need to be playing in their top six on a regular basis. You know, we saw over the stretch run of that 16-game winning streak, you know, Fogle was operating at like a point-per-game clip playing up on the second line with Leon Dreisaitl. And the and there, there continues to be this talk around Edmonton of, well, they need a top six winger. Well, they need a top six winger. Well, I think the Oilers have a top six winger right here in Warren Fogle who's kind of being buried a little bit on the third line. And you know what? I wasn't a fan of him getting dropped down the lineup after those three games. Um, you know, he he looked really good against uh, Boston, Minnesota, and Calgary. He had 13 high-danger scoring chances at five-on-five. Five. That led all NHL forwards by 
five over that stretch. Um, I know it's a small sample size, but he was incredibly effective up there. He had the two-goal performance against Boston, a lot of good looks against Minnesota and Calgary. I think this is somebody who, especially this season, is at the at his best when he's playing in the top six with you know, one of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And yes, obviously playing with those guys makes everybody better, but Warren Fogel's a guy who's showing that he can you know, play in this top six. Goals by defenseman. If you look at the list on the NHL, it's uh, you got guys like Kale McCarr with 13, Drew Doughty, 13, Quinn Hughes, 12, Roman Yossi's got 12. But look at the top of the list, Mackenzie Weger with 15 and Evan Bouchard with 15, including the game winner last night, Zach. Yeah, boy, what a shot, hey? Like, oh. just this was the patent boosh bomb from him. Like, he absolutely unloaded that one. And it was great to see because, you know, everybody's made so much about that, you know, the 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 weird defensive play on the Lafriere goal that made, that made it 2-1 for mm-hmm. L.A. But, you know, Evan Bouchard is still a young defenseman who's still learning the defensive side of the game. And the truth of the matter is, is that he he gets a lot more than he gives up defensively and and I think especially with the way he's able to provide offense and you take a look at his performance last night he had the assist on that Leon Dreisettle goal uh, the power play marker there and that's it's kind of interesting because it was like you saw every side of Evan Bouchard last night you saw those little defensive miscues where you know he kind of pinches what he shouldn't have or you know misses a guy defensively but then he's got that great soft wrist shot from the point that always can find its way on the net Sets up the Leon Dreisaitl goal, and then the big shot with the game winner from the point. I mean, this is what you get with Evan Bouchard. And if, you know, we're going to continue to have these defensive miscues from Bouchard here and there, and him continue to provide offense the way that he does, hmm. does I'm I'm all here for it, quite honestly. I think this is uh, somebody who is going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation in short time. Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show. Stu Skinner had two, three massive saves on that five-on-three power play and uh, 38 in total. And a lot of people were questioning his game in the last couple of weeks, but boy, did he make a statement last night. Yeah, he absolutely did. It's it's quick. It, it's easy to pick on the goaltender, right? I think this is something that, you know, Oilers fans are just accustomed to doing over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. It, it never mattered who it was in the crease. It always seemed that, you know, they weren't good enough or that Dustin Schwartz needs to be fired. And I think at times there's been some just calls for, you know, Dustin Schwartz and what he had done. But at the end of the day, Stuart Skinner has developed into a starting goaltender in the NHL and a really, really good one. And again, he's a guy who's going to live and die by the ebbs, of flo- ebbs and flows of this Oilers team, right? When the Oilers defensively aren't sharp and they're not as responsible as they need to well that makes life more difficult on your goaltender and Stuart Skinner is a guy who at the end of the day is still only in his second full season of NHL action so you know this is still really just a kid that the others got in their crease um you know he he looks a lot older than just a kid at 25 with that mustache too but <laughs> you know what this is somebody who who's still trying to find his way in the nhl um but it was a great bounce back performance for me yeah you know like people they i it always befuddles me and i i guess i've only been doing this job for six months but i've been been around a long time in the sense that i get a, a pulse on people and how they and, and oilers fans that's what i'm talking about and man I, I didn't think it was at all deserving that they were all over dustin schwartz at the start of the year it never made any any sense to me um, at all uh, what did you make of 
Oiler fans, and you know what? They're not Oiler fans. I don't think they are Oiler fans when they're upset that their team is cheering last night. Team is doing the wave in the building. I, I, I don't understand that. How can you be upset about that? I, I don't understand it either. You know what? These are people who are paying damn good money yeah. to go and watch the Edmonton Oilers play. They want to have fun and stand up and throw their arms in the air. Well, let them. Who's saying you can't be doing that? I mean, I, I get it. I like. I think there's like the superstition uh, from people of like, ooh, you don't want to like mess with the ebbs and the flows of the game or anything like that. But hey, the Oilers got a power play out of the uh, out of the wave last night, so you know what? It worked out just fine for them. Yeah, it's almost like you know what would you do in the NFL? Are you supposed to? Let's just say it's uh, in the fourth quarter and your team's defense is on the field, but you have the lead. Should you not cheer? Are you, I, I mean, yeah, I don't absolutely. understand. Like, just and you know, send us people, send us a text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. If you can explain to me why you think it was wrong for people to do the wave to cheer loud, I would like to hear it. I would love to hear it, uh, Zach. Before we let you go, I know you're also big into the Jays Nation and things like that. Uh, what did you make? Uh, well, I mean, spring training. We're just getting going here, but Zach, uh, in the sense that uh, uh, the Jays played yesterday, beat Pittsburgh eight four, and Vladimir Guerrero saw his first spring training action. Yeah, it's exciting. This is uh, this was a really weird off season for for Blue Jays fans. They they thought they were going to land Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. and then that didn't work out for him, and then. It was kind of quiet the rest of the offseason. There wasn't really the big splash that a lot of people were hoping for. But I think at the end of the day, the Jays are kind of looking for the internal improvements from this club that was really close last year. You know, the the issue with the Jays last year was that their offense just couldn't get going in the playoffs, right? Their pitching was tremendous all season last year. It was arguably the best in the entire big leagues. And I think right now we're starting to see the hype of this season start to build up a little bit. Bo Bichette's looked really great mm-hmm. through the first couple of training games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looks like he is in absolutely incredible shape this season. You've got Alex Manoa, who's taking the mound today. He's another guy who looks like he's in great shape, bounced back, ready to go this year. I think this is going to be an exciting year for the Toronto Blue Jays. I really do. Um, a lot of guys here uh, that the team needs to kind of take a step forward, though. You know, it's funny, Zach, if you were to say, ah, it's the first spring training start for a pitcher, he's only going to pitch one or two innings, but I mean, this is a big, big game for Alec Manoa today. Yeah, it really is. You know, the disastrous season last year was pretty outrageous. It was really kind of tough to see from him because again, this was a guy two years ago who was, uh, you know, a Cy Young candidate. He was a, he was an all-star at the all-star game. He was looking really, really great. And the regression last year was disappointing to see in the way that I think, you know, he handled it. He probably has mm-hmm. some regrets in which he would have handled it himself a little bit differently. But you know what? Last year, he didn't come in ready. and He didn't come in ready for the season. And this year, that is a completely different story. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a really big start for him today. And it's going to be great to see him get on the mound and uh, throw a few innings here. What did you make of uh, Yusei Kikuchi uh, yesterday against Pittsburgh? He's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's passing on the uh, revenge tour title from himself <laughs> last year uh, to Manoa this year. So hopefully uh, some of that can rub off on Manoa and help him get going too. But Kikuchi is a great number four, number five for this team. Like he really has been awesome. Um, and I thought the way that he rebounded himself last year uh, was excellent and exactly what uh, this rotation really needed. And this rotation, how would you, when you're comparing it to the rest of the AL East, how do you say, where where do you rank it? How does it stack up? 
Uh, honestly, to me, I think the Jays have the best rotation mm-hmm. in the AL East. I think they've got the best bullpen in, in the AL East. You take a look at all their major numbers last year, and the Blue Jays had one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball, um, right up there with the best of them. And I don't really think that much has changed from them. And the truth of the matter is, too, is that, you know, they're going to be getting a refreshed Alec Manoa back this year, too. Like, Manoa probably sunk some of the team numbers a little <laughs> bit last year. So uh, I have absolutely no concerns here. Uh, with the Jays pitching staff uh, whatsoever, whatsoever, yeah. whether it's the starters uh, or the relievers. You know, Chad Green threw uh, a little bit yesterday, and if he's healthy, that's going to be massive uh, in the bullpen. And, I mean, Romano was like, I was watching him yesterday. I don't think I've heard him grunt like that. He was really just really grunting like crazy. I don't know if you he caught that He was in part. mid-season form <laughs> yesterday. Maybe it was like just the really way the was. audio, I don't know, maybe the way the audio was or, or whatever in, in Florida, but, man, he was really, really giving her. So, yeah, and you know what? Sometimes that gets picked up on the Jays broadcast, too. Like, he really puts everything mm-hmm. he's got into those uh, into those pitches. Of course, as the closer, he's, you know, only out there for, you know, an inning. Sometimes he's got to try and stretch and get four or five outs. But, yeah, Romano, he's uh, one of the best closers <laughs> in the league for a yeah. reason, too. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's a big part of this pitching staff and his ability to go out there, throw absolute gas and get these outs late in the game is has been pretty key for this team for a couple of mm-hmm. years now. Yeah, you know, they're still missing a piece or two. We'll see. I, I think IKF plays a little more third than people think. But uh, yeah. and w- what do you make of the Justin Turner signing? You like it? Yeah, I like it. I do. You know what? Yeah. This is uh, a guy who has been there, done that around the major leagues for a very long time here. Yeah. He's got familiarity uh, with Don Mattingly, who's rocking an absolutely glorious beard this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that look for him. But you know what? Turner, again, he's this year's Brandon Belt. Um, you know, the Jay signed Belt last year for him to kind of come in and be the designated hitter, you know, maybe play a little bit at first here and there. And Brand Bell was awesome. Like yeah. He was a big part of this Jays team last year. So I'm a big fan of it personally. I mean, I I would still really like to see the Jays go back and re-sign Matt Chapman here. Like, I mm-hmm. think, uh, first and foremost, it's ridiculous how many of these guys we still have that are sitting there on the market, you know, without contracts. Blake Snell... Jordan Montgomery, yeah. Matt Chapman, these Scott Boris clients. It's just, it's not a good look whatsoever, but um, that's a whole story for another day. But with Chapman, you know what? Like he had a really great start to the season last year. Uh, that first month, month and a half, he was the AL player of the month, I, I think for March. And then his offense really kind of tailed off through the rest of the season. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who has won multiple gold gloves over there at third base. He's arguably the best third base third baseman from a defensive perspective in the entire league. And I think Isaiah kiner Fluff is going to do fine over mm-hmm. at third. Um, you know, they'll platoon him with some other names. Maybe you see a little bit Turner over there. Uh, some younger guys probably, you know, coming through that spot on the hall corner too. But I just think Chapman's defensive capabilities are just so important and so strong. Um, I'd really like to see the Jays take a swing and try and bring him back here, even if it's for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Hey, Zach, thanks for this. Thanks for your input on the Oilers and the Jays. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for getting up early for us today. Thanks a lot. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kevin. All right, that's Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. A lot of texts coming in, as you can imagine. one 401 1440 regarding 
Oilers cheering, the wave, etc. Uh, Jesse, of course, uh, this is the captain, obvious. Uh, you know, oh, I can't believe that uh, this was... Uh, the NFL is different. The crowd noise can be huge in disrupting communication on the offense when getting the play call. The wave is just dumb. Well... I didn't even think about that disrupting the offense thing, Duke. From the, I just it just totally escaped me. I, Shocker! I, I, I never even thought about it. Joseph, uh, the wave should only be for a blowout game. There's always a few idiots trying it in a tied or one goal game. Why? Why can't people cheer? Why can't they be involved? Why can't they um, try to get their team, give their team a jump? Laser says, there's nothing wrong with cheering loud and getting crazy, but the wave is meant to be for when you are crushing the team and waving them out of the building. Elevator Darren, the wave is not to be done when it's a one-goal game. I've personally witnessed the other team tie the game up during the wave three times. The wave is for late in a game with at least a two-goal lead when we are sure of the win. Being part of the wave is amazing, but it's also a cocky move that motivates the competition sometimes. <laughs> Jana, thanks for this. Uh, my niece is nine. Her favorite part of the, her very first NHL game was the wave. So now there's rules, Duke. You cannot do the wave at certain points of the game. Well, I mean, even the even if you have the lead late, I mean, it's, it's no guarantee. Like unless so, you're doing it just for the final ten seconds of the game when you're when you're up a couple goals. It listen. Am I like? Do I personally, if it's happening in the rink, like, and I'm there watching the game, am I getting involved in it? No, no. But am I condemning those that do? No, no. do whatever. Like, do Be, uh, whatever cheer. you want. Be loud. I, I am people, long. People talk in the building. It's dead. People say, oh, blah blah blah. There's no atmosphere. Yeah, and like even even on the broadcast, it was pointed out last night that for the first uh, bit of the game, it was a like far from oh. as intense of an atmosphere oh. as we've seen uh, other times this season, especially games against the Kings, who are like you're tied with them in the standings. This is an important game. It was it was a pretty doldrum uh, uh, atmosphere for probably the first half of that game, right up until that big penalty kill that we keep. Uh, there was zero back atmosphere to. in the building. None. There was no atmosphere in the building at all. For it was totally uninspired. For basically until there was no atmosphere in the building until Zach Hyman had a backhand opportunity in the first period and hit the post with his backhand. There was none. There was zero atmosphere in the building, and that's the truth. Uh, when we come back, we will have some Oilers sound. What do we got, Duke, coming up here? What do uh, we, we got uh, Coach Knobloch, if we'd prefer, uh, Evan Bouchard, um, Matthias, uh, his partner, Matthias Ekholm, and uh, maybe even another guy who oh, we haven't perfect. even talked about to having another solid game last night, although we, we've alluded to it as face-off prowess, uh, Roger Nugent Hop, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Perfect. So we'll get lots to, of options. We'll get to some of those uh, post-game comments uh, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. 740 break means one thing and one thing only. The Duke and BA together again. Last night's goal by Evan Bouchard. Um, he's now tied with Risto Siltonen for eighth among defensemen in Oilers history. Can you name the top seven? No, just kidding. Um, but after the game, his D partner... Matthias Ekholm had these post-game comments and listen closely about how a guy like Evan Bouchard has the ability to let things go. If you have a bad shift or a bad play, let it go, move on to the next. Here's Matthias Ekholm. 
As much as you guys needed a win, was it important to win it the way you did? Getting back to that stuff that was working for you during this game? I think so. I think this is more the recipe that we're looking for. Um, I thought the third was outstanding from our group. I thought we were patient. I thought we... Uh, played really poised when we had to I thought we played good defense I thought we uh, obviously it's nice to get that goal early um, kind of get them out of their uh, structure a little bit and knowing that they got to go a little bit but I thought we handled it really well and I thought as a 60 minute game and we haven't had maybe too many of them as of late this was uh, as close as we have gotten in the last I don't know 10 games or so. Evan Bouchard you know just just a huge goal there there was also a pretty big error earlier on in the game too you you know him well you know how hard is he on himself when those things happen but how clutch was that for him to turn it back the other way? I, I, I honestly don't think he is hard on himself and I don't think he should be either because he does all these plays and he he more often than not he is uh, uh, on the scale of giving us the good stuff there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be some reads where it doesn't pan out but um, I think he's been really good at weighing those situations and, and obviously when they happen just put them in, in your backpack try to learn from them but um, don't make them affect the way you play because if they do and, and I've played with some high-end offensive defenseman and I know if you start getting down on yourself you're gonna take yourself out of the game and, and he didn't he came back and um, he got us that big goal so I um, mean I think he's been he's had an awesome year and he's a great player you have a pretty good shot yourself but Bouchard's now up to 15 goals and he scores a lot of them from the blue line there's not many guys who consistently score from the blue line well, talk about a shot maybe what impresses you the most about it I think the accuracy is the thing that stands out obviously he can he can really um, get velocity on him and, and obviously he shoots it really hard but I do think I mean you look at the goal tonight like it's the top corner that are picked right like that's where he puts them and, and I think that's really what stands out it seems effortless but um, every time he gets an opportunity he goes for the top corner and he usually hits them so I think the accuracy is the thing that stands out for me. Matthias, so you're a team that was looking to play 60 minutes a team's looking to maybe play a little simpler uh, were the LA Kings the perfect opponent because you have to play that certain way to beat them the way they Played a game. Yeah, no, 100%. I think the the game that they present is for us to be patient. Um, I think we, uh, as soon as you get, um, I guess, out of your out on your own and, and trying to dangle through, it's it's hard to get through that neutral zone, and they usually break it up and come the other way. So, um, for us to stick to our game plan, I thought we did a really good job tonight doing that, and and obviously we also limited chances against because uh, I mean. They know how we play. We know we know how they play at this point. I mean, we've we've played them a ton. So, um, for that reason, I think it was a, it was a great uh, timing to to have them come into our building. T.S. Connor hasn't scored in a while, but he's put up points almost every night. Another you know last uh, ten games or so. What uh, what do you see from him? Even though he hasn't scored, he's got twenty three assists in this one. I mean, I, I, I saw that today, and I was like, I, I thought he had scored for sure. I mean, I think he's just that impactful anyways. It doesn't really matter whether he gets the goal or the assist. He's usually the one that sets it up or usually the one that um, does it for us. So to me, to see that he hadn't scored in a while was kind of shocking because I think he's doing great. I think he's, he's obviously our leader in here, and, and he shows it every night. He leads by example. Just um, You've been even more impressed with his defensive detail this year, so I, I think he's playing a great game. And I mean, we just want to keep have him keep going, scoring goals or not. He's playing great. That's Oilers defenseman Matthias Ekholm uh, talking uh, about a number of things. The captain, Connor McDavid, again, 90-point uh, plateau for the eighth straight season. Uh, he's got uh, two, well, I mean,
20 assists in his last eight games, uh, two more last night, uh, five games, two assists in each of the last five games. And then uh, Evan Bouchard, again, tied with Mackenzie Weger for uh, top spot in goals when it comes to defenseman scoring in the NHL. Quinn Hughes has 70 points. Uh, Evan Bouchard sits fifth right now with 56 points. He's uh, he's well on his way to uh, to an 80-point season if he stays healthy. He's close to being you know a point-a-game guy. Basically, that's what he is right now. So uh, very, very good offensive season for Evan Bouchard. When we come back, top of the hour, it'll be Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark for Booster Juice plus Frank Saravalli, the daily face-off and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. And get this, today and Wednesday. So every Tuesday and Wednesday, you can get a $30 haircut when you just go into any location and mention Sports 1440. That's only at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.